Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. The next time you eat, take a good look at your meal. Then scrape about a third of it into the trash. What you've just pushed off your plate represents about how much of the food grown in the U.S. goes uneaten. It's a percentage that's increased in the past five years. And as our food waste eats up space in landfills, it also produces methane, a potent greenhouse gas that contributes to climate change. Composting food waste can reduce climate effects and save municipalities money on landfill fees. But as Harvest Public Media reporter Eva Tesfai discovered, concerns about bad smells and pests sometimes get in the way. Eva joins us now to discuss her latest reporting on the impact and reputation of composting businesses in the Midwest. Eva, welcome. Hi. Hello. Now, your story focuses on urban composting in particular. Why that focus? Um, well, I think what was what's interesting about urban composting is composting is happening on like large industrial scales outside of cities. But um, this movement for urban composting or what some people call community composting, which is composting the same food waste that in the community that is generating it. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting about that is that's where all sorts of problems can come up between neighbors, between the city. And that's what this story was really about, um, how these cities are starting to have um, these composting operations popping up within the cities and um, they're not necessarily prepared for it. Okay. Now, to get to sort of an understanding of why this is the case, talk with us about what exactly compost is. What does it look like and how would you describe how it smells? Yeah, compost is basically taking, um, well, this story focused on food waste, but you could also compost um, like leaf waste, yard waste, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're taking that and you're breaking it down, you're mixing it with all sorts of other materials in order to make it something that is good for the soil. So you're going to put all those nutrients and stuff back into the soil. And that's why we say that keeping doing composting keeps that waste out of landfills where it would just burn or rot, um, which is what produces the methane. But when you're composting it, you're making it basically into soil again. Mm-hmm. So Eva, how have you heard others describe the smell of compost? Well, I've heard other that other people describe it as smelling bad. Um, I haven't heard it from anyone directly, but I know that here in Kansas City, there were some complaints from neighbors to the city about the smell and then also about pests. So yeah, composting, I think, could smell bad because it is food waste. So there might be some bad odors there. Mm -hmm. And what kinds of pests are we talking about? Like rats or roaches, anything that can get into trash, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, what were the... What were you getting when you smelled the compost? Did you detect rotting food? What was the thing that, I guess, that hit your your nose hardest? To be honest, I really couldn't smell much of anything. Um, 
and it just kind of smelled earthy. I mean, it depends on what stage of compost it was in. I think definitely closer to like the food that was just brought in smelled, um, you know, kind of bad the way that your trash can at home would probably smell. Um, nothing crazy though. Um, but I think, you know, as it goes through the composting process, the those odors get further. It doesn't smell as bad. But, um, you know, it really, really composters need to be careful with odors. It is something that can happen if you're not doing the composting process right. Right. And that hits upon one of the tensions of urban composting. You know, these yards often sit right next to residential homes or neighborhood parks. And I, I realize that the answer to this question probably depends on whom you ask, but are urban composters good neighbors? I mean, what were you able to uncover regarding that? I mean, like you said, it depends. I mean, I think the biggest issue is whether they're being careful to be good neighbors. I think a good um, urban composter would be First of all, the work starts before you even start the operation. A lot of what I heard from uh, groups like the U.S. Composting Council or the Institute for Local Self-Reliance that kind of gives advice for composters on how to start was you need to start doing outreach. You need to start engaging the community to make sure that they know what you're doing and um, that they can contact you with any questions in case, you know, smells or even pests can become an issue. So you just mentioned uh, the U.S. Composting Council, and you spoke with a representative there, and they talked about how it matters, you know, where compost facilities are located. What was it they told you, um, particularly about uh, what they need to do with the materials? Yeah, so one thing they they said was that for composters choosing a place um, to set up their operation, they do need to be mindful, especially in the day and age we live in, about whether those communities are marginalized or environmental justice communities, which basically means if they're, you know, affected disproportionately by environmental issues. Mm -hmm. And sometimes composting operations, um, you know, because land might be cheaper there or something, can end up there. But that means you you really need to make sure that you are working with this community um, and or maybe don't put your operation there. Mm -hmm. um, so that can sometimes be an issue. Um, and yeah, when you are composting and making trying to make sure that you don't have pests or, or bad smells, there's, you know, a number of things you can do. You could compost in dorms. A number of the composters I talked to were composting inside. Um, or doing it, you know, in closed containers. And so that means it's not going to be an issue for neighbors and you're not going to really attract rodents or mm -hmm. any other pests that might come along. Another thing, if you are composting outside, the thing that you really have to make sure is that your, your nitrogen to carbon ratio is correct. So that's basically all the stuff that you mix in the composting to make sure that it's doing being composted right, but it's you're not just like letting food waste rot. You mm -hmm. are making compost. Eva, what does it look like to compost inside? Composting inside can look the same as it would outside, like you can just do it indoors. But I think also some people have come up with these um, bigger, more 
technologically advanced operations that make it even more um, sterile, make it the contain the owners even more. So you can have machinery involved in that, especially when you're churning that compost. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the idea of composting inside is basically it could be in a big warehouse and you would have all um you can also do it inside containers to further contain those smells Mm -hmm. so this is on a scale much larger than uh, buying something you know online that you can put food scraps and things in yeah and you could do at home composting as well i think we're there's there's obviously different levels to this. You can do your own composting in your own backyard and just use it for your garden. You could do a slightly bigger scale like some of these urban farms are doing where they have, they're bringing food waste in from other people. And again, just kind of composting that in their, on their farm, on their land, um, but using it, using the soil, the compost for their soil. Or, you know, you can have these like bigger industrial operations. So there's, there's definitely a a range of what composting can look like. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Now, insofar as uh, cities go, you found that, by and large, many are not prepared to handle regulations regarding urban composting businesses. How so? Yeah, so a few of the cities, um, including St. Louis, um, that I was looking at just didn't really have specific laws around composting in the city, which... I mean, makes sense. This is kind of, it's not, composting isn't entirely a new thing, but this idea of like community composting, I think is relatively um, new to the Midwest. And so for example, St. Louis does have one regulation about composting, but it's uh, it's only for leaf and yard waste. So it's not for food waste, Mm -hmm. um, which um, I talked to John and Stacy Klein um, from New Earth Farm, who you're going to talk to later, I believe. Um, basically, they ran into a problem with that because their neighbor complained um, before they had even set up a composting operation. They did what they were, um, you know, supposed to do. They reached out to the neighbors and told them about what they were going to do and tried to do that community education. And then um, the city came back and basically they agreed to... Uh, not compost on the land because a neighbor was not happy with it. And the clients described how they didn't have a law to point to to say that this is okay or or this is okay because we're going to do it and follow the laws and make sure that it's not a problem. So mm-hmm. I think it works both ways. If there are no laws, it, it doesn't help the composting operation because then neighbors might just complain. But it also doesn't help the neighbors because then – um, a composting operation could operate without any regulation, and that's also a problem. Mm-hmm. So given that it sounds like there is a, a growing appetite, so to speak, for urban composting, do you think that that will affect um, more laws and regulations around that such that there there aren't such complications around getting something started? Yeah, I think it already is um, affecting laws. I mean, New York City is a great example of like composting becoming, composting operations starting at a community level and then it becoming part of the city. This has also happened in Kansas City. Um, The city is now starting a compost operate, its own composting with um, Casey Can Compost, which was a local organization that was doing composting on its own. I also talked to somebody in 
uh, Dane County, Wisconsin, Ben Stanger for with, with Green Box Compost. And he chose the city based on um, what, how they were willing to accommodate him. And they were willing to accommodate him so much, the, the city of Sun Prairie, that they ended up changing um, a zoning code to accommodate his business. So mm-hmm. it is happening. I think as these composting operations pop up, cities are realizing, okay, how do we um, how do we regulate them? How do we zone for them? And it would be ideal if that happened before they ran into conflicts, but um, I think it is going to be something that cities consider more. Mm-hmm. And what is it that is in it for cities to be, you know, compost friendly. Yeah. So, um, for first of all, like you mentioned, uh, they can save money on landfill fees. Um, there's something called a tipping fee, which is based on how much goes into the landfill. Um, and so, you know, already diverting that food waste, the the tipping fees could be lower. Um, and then also, you know, as like cities like think about sustainability and climate change and you mentioned that methane is um you know it's it's released by the food waste like it's something that cities will probably want to consider especially if they have like a sustainability plan or a climate action plan that is probably a good thing to have in there um and i think residents are just asking for it a lot of residents um want to compost and want to you know, feel like they're um, not being a burden on the environment with all their waste. And a lot of people want to take responsibility for their waste. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that a lot of cities, if they can offer it, it would be a good thing to offer. Eva Tesfai is a Harvest Public Media reporter based in Kansas City. Her coverage of composting businesses cropping up across the Midwest is available at our website. That's stlpr.org. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Eva. All right. Thank you. Now, when it comes to services in St. Louis, there's a company in the city called New Earth farms that picks up customers' food scraps to turn it into compost. And the married couple behind New Earth Farms is Stacy and John Klein. John, Stacy, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us. Glad here. to be here. So first, let's talk about what you do. How do you farm compost, Stacy? Uh, well, essentially, you're, you're taking food that was food, it grew, and turning it back into soil, healthy soil that can, you know, grow more food. So instead of it just sitting in a landfill. Um, So we take folks' food scraps. We collect from um, residential customers. We have drop-off bins around town. And we collect from uh, small commercial, you know, small little coffee shops, sandwich shops, things like that. So we take all their food waste, which would otherwise just go in the dumpster and go to the landfill. Mm -hmm. And um, we process a small percentage of it ourselves um, in aerated static bins, which we can explain more of that later, but it's essentially a way that you don't have to turn it. The smells don't come out. It's a really um, residential friendly way. Um, And yeah, so then we have finished compost and the volume we can't handle, we take to industrial facilities. But uh, most importantly, all of it, 100% of it becomes compost and does not end up in a landfill. Okay, great. Now, this, this business that you have, it began in 2020, right? (laughs) Why did you start this, John? 
Well, I, I actually was a, a chaplain at St. Louis University Hospital for eight years, and I, I had some anxiety and depression, and after eight years of just kind of hearing sad stories and being with folks who were dying and gunshot wounds, um, I just kind of got burned out at that point. And uh, we had friends doing similar work, and we also learned about the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and their community composters network. And we'd always been kind of resource people. Uh, Stacy sells on, on Etsy, and she shipped over 7,000 things and has never, never purchased a box because all our friends know, hey, Stacy will reuse these boxes. These are a resource. Mm. Uh, and then I guess just... Uh, looking for something new and wanting to work together as a family and be outside more, it it just made sense. Like, this is what uh, some folks are starting to do. And there's all these small uh, community compost operations bootstrapping it and kind of uh, beginning operations all across the U.S. these days. Mm-hmm. And we heard that in the, the conversation with Eva Tesfai. Yeah. Now, what was it, though, that took you from, oh, well, like composting is something that we can do in our own backyard to something that you turned into uh, a business, Stacy. Uh, well, we'd always had our own compost bin in our yard just for our own food scraps, um, and then realized by finding out about the Institute for Local Self-Reliance just how many um, little community composters across the country were doing this, and um, you know it's profitable folks. I mean, people who live in apartments obviously can't compost um, for themselves. And then there's a lot of folks who just, you know, we all choose what we're going to do, whether it's, I know how to change the oil in my car, but do I usually do that or do I pay someone? So composting is kind of that way. Like it's something a lot of folks really want to do and not everyone has the time or capacity or um, yard space or physical ability. So um, yeah, so we jumped in during the pandemic and started a business and we, you know, we had to, you know, put it on pause. We were doing trials with our neighbors and, you know, early days of the pandemic, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, is this spread by air or touch? So we had to, you know, cut everything out for a few months until we figured out, okay, it's not in what we touch and get back started with our, uh, yeah, our trials with our neighbors and then went ahead and just launched. Yeah. So John, you know, you mentioned mental health as one of the motivations for changing things up in 2020. So you went from dealing with the things that people were telling you and then with the things that they were getting rid of. I mean, how did yeah. that um, how did that impact you and how did that shift from um, farming and composting? Um, how did that that feel, um, especially coming out of the years that you spent doing the work that you did as a, a chaplain um, and then doing so during the pandemic? Yeah. Um, well, it's. I basically went from one end of the pole to the other end of the pole, where I was sitting and listening to, to people all day long and, and inside a building and uh, being supportive to, uh, I, can't, I can't listen to these stories anymore. And now I'm actually uh, solving, you know, business problems on a daily basis, uh, which uh, I didn't, I didn't do as a chaplain. I sat with people and I, and I heard their problems and I, and I empathized with them, but I I had no ability to to fix their problems. So at some point, I'll probably have to come back in the middle and <laughs> regain some of my <laughs> listening skills. But it's been a dramatic change, and uh, it's it's been encouraging. You know, we I wanted to continue to do something that was good for, for the world, mm-hmm. and this is another way of doing that. Yeah. And one of the things we want to maintain always, too, is just good relationships with the folks that we're working with uh-huh. um, and just be supportive, not be a, a guilting party. Uh, you know, there's a lot of environmental folks who are, 
are doing a lot of shaming and we want people to do what they can uh, where they can as how they can and we want to make our services affordable and available for folks as well. Mm-hmm. So, John, something that did come up in the conversation with Eva Tesfai and that we've also seen in other places that um, composting it in one's own backyard, there are a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, and the fact is, when you live in a small place, whether it is in an apartment, maybe with a common area in the back, or in a single-family home with a little bit of backyard or whatever that may be, that there may be some um, disagreement about what can and should be composted, you know, like dealing with, with smells and pests sure. and that sort of thing. How is it that you go about fostering relationship with your neighbors like how did you yourselves do that um as you got new earth farms off the ground or like on the ground (laughs) yeah yeah good question yeah back on the ground um well the the first thing we did was we've we've lived in the old north for a number of years and so we already know our neighbors we have good relationships with them and we started doing some composting right right where we live. Uh, so the first barometer for whether we're being a bad neighbor is ourselves. Like we we have a little side yard. We like to be out there. We don't want bad smells. Uh, and then we have a neighbor who has, uh, we have this micro bin in our yard. That's uh, maybe like two cubic yards roughly, um, a bit out of like concrete block. And we've got a neighbor that's like 10, 10 feet away, has a window. And then our neighbor on the other side who is immunocompromised and very sensitive to uh, to allergens and all sorts of things. So we would check in with them regularly. And we'd, you know, if we'd, if we'd catch a small whiff of something, we'd get really nervous and we'd mm-hmm. text them and be like, yeah, we don't notice anything. They're, it's fine. Okay. So it's really starting with those relationships. So from that point, I mean, you've started this business now, Stacy. Can you tell us about, you know, how many people you are serving um, and what the, the range um, is among those clients? Sure. Um, yeah, we have over uh, 700 customers, and that's our residential, our drop-off, and our commercial clients. Um, so, I mean, there's apartments, like you, we've mentioned, and uh, single-family homes. We have folks in the county that live in places where I don't exactly know which municipalities. A few of them do have restrictions and say you can't compost this close to a neighbor or you can't compost your meat and dairy and, you know, things that I mean, honestly, some of those things make total sense for a a personal single-family backyard bin. Um, So, And then commercial clients, we have relationships with schools and Mm -hmm. synagogues. um, And that's actually one of our favorite parts is we bring, you know, field trips of 30 elementary school students out to – we've kind of dubbed our lots back there. It was, you know, our urban farm, but it turns out you can't – there's a lot to do. And so when you're busy uh, processing compost and handling uh, customers, we didn't have a lot of time to grow stuff. We have a little orchard. So anyway, we've uh, transitioned that. It's kind of our compost learning lab. Mm -hmm. So we invite, uh, you know, field trips of elementary students. Uh, Adults come out. We had like 40 AmeriCorps volunteers uh, just earlier this week. Mm -hmm. And we you know, talk about composting, why it's amazing for the earth, why it's good, how to do it, how to do it right. If folks have their own backyard bin and are having problems, you know, we're happy to, you know, troubleshoot with them. So So. for those who are doing this on their own, but they've got more that they want to have taken care of, and you all alluded to this at the beginning, but briefly, how does your composting service work? Is it like trash pickup? 
Yeah, so it's there's kind of the white glove service, which is when we're bringing a four-gallon green bucket to your door and picking it up every week or two-week based on your needs. Or there's the, the lower-cost service, which is use, uh, use as much as you want, the drop-off service. So we have uh, 13 bins around the St. Louis metro area where you can just take your scraps every month and, and drop it off. Uh, those are the, the two residential options that we have right now. Mm-hmm. And just in our last couple minutes here, what has it been like to work with the city of St. Louis in terms of zoning issues? And what kind of composting are you allowed to do on your land, Stacey? Sure. So like a lot of cities, um, there's just this big void where there's no prohibitions against it, ordinances against it, or the, but there's also no language in the city law that says this is allowed up to this extent. It just doesn't exist because there might be a couple lines about backyard bins, which mm-hmm. pertains to one family. Um, on, and then there's, you know, the industrial side. So they have laws for that. And there's just this big void of no no rules. Right, <laughs> so, right. But with that given, we, we're not going to operate as if we have no rules. So mm-hmm. our standard, until St. Louis decides to um, put something in place, is that we be good neighbors. So we've invited our alderman. He stood in our yard at our bin. Um, the neighborhood board members have been in our yard at our bin. Um, we've had um, St. Louis zoning employees out at our compost learning lab, and they've stood right there at a bin. So, they, so we want everyone to know what we're doing and be transparent, So, okay. including subscribers who come out and see it. Sure. Well, thank you so much for telling us about what you're doing with New Earth Farms. John and Stacy Klein are the married couple behind the St. Louis-based composting company, New Earth Farms. Thanks so much. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.